Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. High-stakes trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin, the man charged with murdering George Floyd. Protesters taking to the streets of Minnesota Sunday calling for justice. Tight security measures in place outside the courthouse, while inside strict COVID restrictions. So the jury selection starts in the trial of that main cop, the guy that was kneeling on George Floyd's neck. Um, three weeks they expect jury selection to go, so it's going to be a while before we get into the uh, nitty-gritty of the trial. Wow, that's brutal for jury selection to take three whole three weeks. Three weeks. I've sat through that, and if it takes an afternoon, it's you want to die. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's going to be plenty of misinformation and misinterpretation to uh, counter during the trial, so How maybe do they, we'll wait for that. I've forgotten. I'm sure I've learned this ten times, but I don't remember. How do you select, select jurists on this? Because you certainly can't go with a, do you know much about the trial? Because this one was so high profile. You're not going to get anybody that doesn't know a lot about it and didn't follow it. Yeah, you get beyond that. Number one, they will probably have the jurors fill out a, a five to 50 page questionnaire asking them about their attitudes towards you know, cops and victims and race and, and all sorts of stuff. Do you have to be somebody that doesn't have a, a, an opinion already? Because how would you not have an opinion about this? No, what what they ask is, uh, have you followed this? Are you familiar with it? And if you're a no, then okay, that's that's interesting. We got a live one here. But if you're a yes, they'll ask, do you think you can uh, put aside what you've previously heard and focus just no, on the testimony. Absolutely. You're about to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. I could. Why is a, is a no a good thing? Mm, for society. It's I, a convenient thing. I don't mean for the prosecutor oh. or the defense, but for society, is a no a good thing? You're the sort of person, you live in Minneapolis, your city got turned upside down, became a national story for months, sparked the biggest riots in 50 <laughs> years. Right. You don't know anything about this story? No. I didn't hear anything about it. You uh, want I've served, that person? Uh, I've served on a few juries, and a couple of them had that person on them. And this one gal in particular, and she was sweet as a glass of lemonade. I mean, I'm sure she was a good person in her heart, but if she'd played chess against a cat, it would have been a draw. It was... <laughs> watching her try to figure out the testimony and the evidence, poor kid. I mean... Uh, so yeah, it would that would not be a good thing for society if that person a made cat it on the jury. Doesn't even know what <laughs> castling is. <laughs> My point exactly. Um, I'm not a cat. <laughs> wait a Thank second, you, ma'am. Counselor. Ma'am, you live here in Minneapolis. The city was on lockdown for three weeks. We had billions of dollars worth of businesses burned to the ground. I doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So we'll be talking about that as it progresses. A quick look back uh, at the last segment before we move on to important and weighty matters. Uh, Shady Shana tweeted at us. We were asking the the question of cleavage jewelry. There is a gal with a, 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 a boob jewel. At the furniture store, and I didn't know if I'm supposed to look at it or not look at it or or compliment her on it or pretend I don't see it or what. Uh, And Shady Shana tweets, 
Here's a tip regarding how and why we display cleavage. Boob jewelry is meant to catch the eyes of hot and or rich men. But ugly slash poor men noticing our jewels is a me too trespass. Wow. So and <laughs> so the only way you can figure out if they think you're attractive, though, is to make the comment and suffer the consequences? Exactly. And you either get the, the offer of a date or punched in the face, depending on you know how good looking you are. So, I appreciate her straightforward. So at least she says it's designed to... Bring a comment. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, um, uh, go ahead. Has Pepe Le Pew crossed the line into cancel culture and uh, is no longer a threat, is now a threat to our children? Or was our entire lives and we just didn't know it? We'll get into Pepe Le Pew coming up. That cartoon sucks. It always did. It's not the least bit entertaining and nobody likes it. No. Uh, very briefly here, I want you to picture, let's spin a little story in your mind here. You, you like the camping, you like the outdoor life. Maybe you paddle a little bit, toss a line in the water. I don't know what you do. But you walk into your REI store, or the outdoor outfitter of your choice, and you say to the uh, pierced and probably oddly facial-haired youngster working there, you say, uh, I'd like to buy a tent, please. My budget is $61,000. <laughs> And and see what they say to you. Uh, do we have that clip ready? Yeah, let's do it. Clip number 30. Homelessness in San Francisco was a problem pre-COVID, and it's certainly worsened in the last 12 months. And one way the city is trying to tackle it is with what officials call safe sleeping villages. But those villages are costly, $16.1 million total for 262 tents at a rate of $61,000 per tent per year. That's more than $5,000 per tent per month, around twice the cost of the median rent for a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. And that's in a city that is projecting a $650 million budget deficit over the next two years. That's a Brit who's probably okay with the queen being a racist, but... um, Wait, what? 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 Um, so one thing I didn't understand from that story was how big are the tents? How many people fit in a tent? They're, they're individual sort of, tents, like one to you and individual? your lover. Yes. Yeah. They're Holy small. Holy crap. So some of the, uh, once this report came out, the comments by the woke intelligentsia of San Francisco were unintentionally hilarious. We will share those with you in a moment after a quick word from our friends at Car Shield, beloved sponsor of the program. Your car does not care what you've been saving for, what your financial goals are. It is going to crap out and it is going to cost you a lot of money unless you have Car Shield to protect you from paying thousands for a covered repair like your AC goes out this summer. Yeah, let me get your attention with Car Shield is now America's number one auto protection company. That's how big it is. It's already helped over a million drivers because it's great. So if you haven't heard about this, no, lots of people are doing it. And when your car breaks down, roadside assistance, rental coverage, trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge, go to the mechanic you want to get your work done. This is how you protect your car now. So if your car is out of warranty or about to go out of warranty, it's easy to sign up. It's easy to get out of like a lot of modern things are. Car Shield. Go to carshield.com, use the code Armstrong to save 10%. Carshield.com, code Armstrong, a deductible may apply. All the information you need, carshield.com. You got to say the website right, Joe, or nobody will find it. Carshield.com, use the code Armstrong. Now, I don't know that the Queen's a racist. That was just kind of a joke based on the Meghan Markle, Harry, what's his name? 
interview they did with Oprah. We'll play some of that later this hour if you haven't heard of it. It's got tongues wagging around the world. Did she what? Did she imply that the queen is a racist? Stay tuned. So San Francisco, which is leading the way into the Pacific, it just it, attempting to commit suicide along with Freeattle in Portland, has created these six tent sites called Safe Sleeping Villages to get people off the crowded sidewalks and into places where it's more convenient to have junkies and tents. The annual cost of one spot in one site to put your tent is two and a half times the median rent for a one-bedroom apartment. That's unbelievable. And they talk about blah, blah, pressure to deal with homeless, blah, blah, blah. Says Supervisor Raphael Mandelman. 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 (laughs) It's like a 20-year-old reference. At least. At least, yeah. He says, it's eye-popping, and we need to understand why that is. I would say, I would say you do. The average per night cost is $190 somehow, as the capacity to waste money is apparently limitless. This is the thing Bill Maher was mocking on his show a couple of weeks ago about when they did the same thing in Los Angeles, about how inept the government is. Can't do things without just a tremendous amount of waste and bloat. Yeah, here's another example. And then Supervisor Asha Safai said, and I quote, Uh, I understand the motivation to create safe sleeping space during COVID, but we really need to dive deep to see if this is a sustainable model without any federal reimbursement. Uh, uh, um, Number one, $61,000 per tent is not a sustainable model. So I answered that question for you, my dear. So you can check that one right off without any federal reimbursement. So her solution to spending $61,000 a tent is to make the feds pay for it. That's her solution. Oh, my God. Uh, how do you reason with somebody like that? Where do you start? There are people. Uh, that, uh, it reminds me of when I was uh, when I went to the city council meeting and I got into the homeless conversation. There were people that got up and spoke after me that clearly just live in a. It's a beautiful world in their head. I mean, in in their in their minds, uh, that either I don't know, ignore reality or aren't capable of it or something like that it's it's just a, i think they create a self-serving reality in their heads yeah they were too nice for me to be mad at they just live in a weird fantasy world where things like this make sense and are possible and just i made the world better today the fact that it's completely unsustainable, too expensive, can't last, maybe they don't deserve it, none of that stuff factors in it's just perpetuates people today. dying of drug abuse yeah i just i did something good today um, they, they, you know, it's kind of sweet and innocent. It just, but I, you don't get to use my money for your sweet innocence. Is the problem? Yeah, here, here. It's it's amazing. Yeah, we uh, we I often use the term bums and junkies, and a lot of people get really mad at me for that. I'll tell you why. Because we're talking about bums and junkies, the honest, hardworking people who are quote unquote experiencing homelessness. You're not going to see them much. They're aware of the problem, or the programs, rather, that exist, and they're using them. They're trying to get back on their feet. I have no argument with them. In fact, I'd like to give them a helping hand. But what you see clogging your streets, taking craps on the street, committing crimes, and exploding property crime in San Francisco, you probably know that already. Those people are not, quote, people experiencing homelessness. They're bums and junkies. Get rid of them. Kick them out. 
I don't know how old you have to be to know who Pepe Le Pew is. I'm not sure my kids have ever come across him. Um, I hope they never do. I wanted Pepe Le Pew canceled when I was five because I didn't find it entertaining on any level. I liked all the other Looney Tunes. I hated Pepe Le Pew. But for some reason, Charles Blow, progressive columnist for the New York Times, took on Pepe Le Pew over the weekend. And it caused a conversation and a backlash and all that sort of stuff. You know what it is? The, the cartoon skunk who would grab black female cats by the face and try to kiss them. I, I, exactly. I, I, He's I, Cuomo with them. I don't know how many. <laughs> and I truly and deeply apologize for it. He would well, I'm going to unleash my scathing review of that idiot cartoon, but I know we have to take a break first. <laughs> okay, all that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. For you, I remove them from you, the bonds of slavery. Viola, to think, radiant flower, you do not have to come with me to the Casbah. We are already here. That's Pepe Le Weinstein, <laughs> um, Pepe Le Pew, um, cartoon. So one of the Looney Tunes. So you had the great Looney Tunes. You had the Daffy Duck and the Elmer Fudd and the Bugs Bunny and the. Geez, a Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, the Tasmanian Devil, all these fantastic cartoons when I was a kid. And then they'd throw in a freaking Pepe Le Pew short, and my brother and I would both groan there sitting on the couch that we called the Davenport because we lived in Wisconsin. Um, and just, ah, Pepe Le Pew sucks. Um, you know, we, we must have been brothers from another mother because I was sitting there in Chicagoland. Hey, you call it a couch or a Davenport? Couch. Did Davenport come from South Dakota, Hanton? Is that why we called it that? Do you know? Okay. Or, yeah, or were they made in Davenport, Iowa? Only fancy people called it a couch. My whole like until I was eighteen years old, I never said the word couch. I just saw it as way too bourgeois. It was Davenport. Wait a minute, couch was bourgeois well, and Davenport was earthy. Sofa was off with your head. Couch <laughs> was bourgeois. Davenport is what normal people called it. Literally the first I've ever heard to that piece of furniture referred to as a Davenport. Yeah, that's interesting. It was a Davenport. Wow. We would race from the school bus to the house. The first person who got into the house and touched it could say, Davenport's mine. And then you have it, you had it secured. And then you could go to the bathroom. You had it so you could sit down. So you could sit down and watch Pepe Le Pew. There is nothing about my upbringing that was fancy. (laughs) I guarantee you. Um, my only thoughts on Pepe Le Pew are A, I as a kid instinctively was uncomfortable because my sympathies were with the cat that the that the skunk was trying to sex up no matter her objections i actually think they have a decent point that skunk was rapey okay my second go ahead sorry maybe i'm just a dullard i never really thought much about it i just didn't find it entertaining i found it incredibly uncomfortable how much she wanted to escape second thing is and i, I yeah, I'm a Christian man. I don't want to offend you folks. You're nice folks, but I want so badly to drop an F-bomb right now, but I won't. The, the That stupid, stupid cartoon was the same blanking plot every single time. That's a decent point Some right there. Some freaking cat 
cat. Some freaking black cat girl gets a white stripe of paint down her back through some nutty mishap, and a skunk tries to rape her every single time. Yeah, the lack of creativity, that's what made me mad. Oh, anyway, terrible. Charles, Nobody liked that. Charles M. Blows, one of the progressive columnists for the uh, New York Times, wrote in his column over the weekend, right-wing blogs are mad because I see Pepe Le Pew added to rape culture. Let's see. One, he grabs slash kisses a girl slash stranger repeatedly without consent and against her will. Two, she struggles mightily to get away from him, but he won't release her. Three, he locks a door to prevent her from escaping. Uh, I don't know why Charles Blow decided to take on Pepe Le Pew in the New York Times, but uh, he did. And then some people, I don't know, were pushing back because it was cancel culture. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't get worked up about this one at all. Well, he although he, he takes on a whole bunch of cartoon characters, that's where he went afoul. Like he was, uh, he was bad-mouthing Speedy Gonzalez. And, uh, and what's, what's Iglesias? The, Gabriel Iglesias, the, the comedian who's the voice of Speedy Gonzalez and Mexican-American. He said, I am the voice of Speedy Gonzalez in the new Space Jam. Does this mean they're going to fly to cancel Fluffy, too? That's his nickname. You you can't catch me, cancel culture. I'm the fastest mouse in all of Mexico. Yeah, exactly. That's just so stupid. How about, how about, how about Speedy's cousin, Slowpoke? Oh, he was Speedy. A fat dope. <laughs> he was a fat, lazy dope. <laughs> We've all known fat, lazy sure. dope. Speedy Gonzalez was the hero of these cartoons. He was faster and smarter than everybody else. Well, that's an insulting Mexican stereotype. Please. Please. On the other hand, a skunk was rapey. I'm with Charles Blow on that one. We can agree. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway, Blow Man. New, huh? new CDC guidelines. New CDC guidelines. I think you're going to like some of these. We'll have them next. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If grandparents have been vaccinated, they can visit their daughter and her family, even if they have not been vaccinated. So long as the daughter and her family are not at risk for severe disease, they are solid orange circles. Second, if an unvaccinated individual or any unvaccinated member of their household are at high risk for severe disease, shown here by hollow orange circles, everyone, regardless of vaccination status, should still wear a mask and physically distance. And choose to meet outdoors or in a well-ventilated space. That's the I, CDC with their new guidelines and their big charts with lots of concentric Venn diagram circles. Yes. Uh, I have no problem with that nice lady, and the policies seem reasonable. But a quick show of hands. Who needed her to tell you that? That if you're especially vulnerable, you should probably continue to be careful. Or grandma and grandpa have their shots now, so they can come visit, or you can go visit them. Yep, that we're so we're we're already talking about that. Even without you telling me that, CDC, we need to go back to our relationship with the CDC that we had before COVID, where they say exercise an hour a day and have one drink a month, and we ignore them because <laughs> we say, yeah, how about you do that? Yeah, you do that and tell me how it works out. <laughs> That's our relationship with the CDC. They give us guidelines that we have no interest in, and we ignore them. Uh, But that's enough of that. And the other one was, uh, uh, and again, who needs them to tell us this? But 
the CDC officially says that if you're in, if you're with a bunch of people that have had the vaccine, no masks, even indoors, you can just hang out. So, yeah, good. Looking That's, forward to getting my jabbing. It's what I assumed. Um, this is one of the biggest stories in the world for some reason. The royal family. Uh, I, I have no interest in the royal family. If you listen to the show, you know we don't care. The only time we ever talk about it is to mock how stupid it is that people pay any attention to it. I kept seeing that Oprah interviewed Meghan and Harry, and I thought, ah, all right, fine. Uh, I didn't pay any attention to it. Then, for some reason, I flipped on Morning Joe on MSNBC this morning, and Joe Scarborough, who has no interest in the royal family, said his wife, Mika Brzezinski, who has no interest in the royal family, called him and said, are you watching this right now with Oprah Winfrey? It's unbelievable. And I thought, okay, that kind of gets my interest. Um, so I guess they were talking about this particular portion of it. So Harry is the prince, son of Princess Diana and Charles. Mm-hmm. Marries a hottie movie actress. Divorcee, controversial. Who's half black? Yes. Because that's key to the story, right? I guess. Or is it? I don't know. What well, is for this clip, certainly. And okay. Meghan Markle, uh, this, this particular actress woman, sat down with Oprah Winfrey and talked about this in those months when i was pregnant all around this same time so we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security he's not going to be given a title and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born what (laughs) oprah says what what so they don't what? really get into much more detail on that. So Meghan Markle, the actress, who I think might be a, a bit of a nut job, says uh, there were concerns and conversations about how dark the child was going to be. Around the same time frame as discussions of whether the lad would have a title and or security or whatever. Insinuating. The hint being, yeah, insinuating. That the royal family would not be cool with anybody that's a royal who's not white. Translucent. Yes. <laughs> I would like to be able to see their blue blood flowing through their veins. So that was uh, that was Oprah talking. What? What? That was Oprah talking to Meghan Markle. Then they bring in her husband, not Oprah's husband, Meghan Markle's husband, Prince Harry. And uh, the conversation comes up with him sitting there. Meghan shared with us that there was a conversation with you about Archie's skin tone. Mm-hmm. Ooh. What was that conversation? That conversation <laughs> I'm never going to share. Um, but at the time, at the time it was awkward. I was a bit shocked. Um, can you can you tell us what the question was? No, I don't. I'm not comfortable sharing that. Okay. Um, but that was that was right at the beginning, right? Um, like, what will the baby look like? Yeah, what will the kids look like? What was clearly implied there to me is the queen said, What color will the baby be? It won't be black, will it? No, I, I no. certainly hope not. My, my no. cronies would not like to see a black person inside the walls of the palace. I uh, I believe you have leapt with Olympic uh, skill to a conclusion that is unsupportable, sir. And I will not have you parroting the queen of England. <clears throat> it's become clear to me exactly what happened. The key to it. Because this is a brutally serious topic. The key to it, you hear Harry, who I hasten to remind you, is a combat veteran, helicopter pilot in Afghanistan, a dude who understands the realities of life, okay? 
He said, yes, there was <laughs> um, a conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, here's what happened. They reveal she's pregnant, and the hundred-year-old Prince Philip, the queen's old man, asked a question. Some doddering old... Young black gentleman. Some doddering old centurion. <laughs> centurion. Uh, she's half black. Is that the term these days? She's half black. And he's as pale as a sheet of paper. What color, what hue is the child likely to be? And then Harry's like, oh, jeez. Oh, you don't ask that these days, Uncle Phil. <laughs> oh, you don't, or Grandpa. You don't, oh, for God's sake. And then it'll be a beautiful child and we will all love her. <laughs> I say, I was just asking. So that's what happened. That's why he's not going to address it. He's not going to throw his hundred-year-old grandpa under the bus for being a little behind the times. So Tim Sandifer retweeted, you folks know we won the revolution, right? You don't have to pay attention to these people. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. The only reason what? we aren't giving this... What? Oprah says... So somebody made seven to nine million dollars off this interview. We still haven't quite nailed down who that was. That somebody made. paid something, something. Um, rather, huh? And I'm a bit amused the ongoing. We just want our privacy as they sit down for another interview, complaining about their privacy. Just seems weird to me. But if this could knock down the whole royal family, it just needs to go away. Its existence on planet Earth bothers me. I, just, mm-hmm. I don't think it's good for the world. To even yeah. pretend that that was ever okay, and they, and and put it and give it a shine of like coolness and something little girls dream of. No, don't dream about monarchies and absolute rule. That's not cool. And I realize they have no power at this point, but it's it's just weird. It'd be like having a pretend dictator. It's exactly the same thing because he called a king and a queen, and there are horses and jewels. It gives a different shine to it, but it's just a, and we have a pretend dictator and the pretend dictator's wife. Why would you do that? And occasionally he goes up on the veranda and waves his arms and shouts about right. the Jews or whatever. And it's <laughs> oh, just, isn't it cool? <clears throat> the tourists love it. Yeah, a hereditary monarchy is not quaint, it's repugnant. Anyway, having said that, I do find the story interesting, the big story. Why are so many people fascinated by some sort of soft-headed admiration of the royal family? I don't know, and including some of our listeners, and some of them are kind of pissed off at our tone. But you'll be pissed off at us for something different tomorrow. Uh, but I am interested in the phenomena. I'm interested in the the British tabloid press's relationship with the royal family, that they have to inflate them and prop them up as they attack them. Otherwise, I mean, why would anybody care about that antiquated and idiotic tradition unless the British press simultaneously insisted it was incredibly important, but then undercut them as incredibly evil. I find that interesting. I also find the human story kind of interesting for uh, the, the prince, who's not a prince anymore, really. A real human being, a reasonable guy, a combat veteran, who happened to find himself a hot, crazy actress girlfriend. Now they're, they're, now they're parents together, so I wish them well. But it's an interesting conundrum for a guy like that to be, and he couldn't take the royal family crap. Well, don't most reasonable people think she, she, he's not the son of Prince Charles anyway, biologically? Depends who you ask. 
I mean, like, how solid is that theory you've been trotting out here for years? Mm. He looks exactly like Princess Diana's bodyguard. Yeah, and he not does. Like Some... Prince Charles, his brother William, looks exactly like Prince Charles. Yeah, he does. Although uh, one of our beloved listeners, who's also a royal family fan, go figure, uh, sent us, Joe, you got to quit saying that. Here's his uh, uncle on his mom's okay. side. Okay. And here's his blah, blah, blah. Okay. And they were all redheaded, you know, okay. pale people. Okay. Then I will, I will stop trafficking that. Trafficking but it's, in that. I'm not but it's entirely Sean's possible. Sean's not going to stop trafficking in that. I'd say it's 50-50, Sean. You with well, me? it's not like it's a crazy theory. Their marriage was a sham from the beginning. She was miserably unhappy. He was having an affair, and then she has an affair with her super studly bodyguard when he's never around. In fact, that, the, more I, the more I play this out, that seems like the most likely scenario. Oh, yeah. Other, otherwise, this young, sexy, uh, energetic young woman, I said young twice, uh, was keeping herself chased out of some d- 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 respect for her phony, phony vows. The only reason I brought it up is if, he, is if he, if Harry thinks, I'm not biologically related to these people anyway. Um, I'm not even actually part of this mess. I can see why he doesn't care about it in the same I way wonder. that his brother does. Yeah, yeah. Again, I wonder if they're all the idiots, idea of our too. hereditary monarchy is its just stupid. I wonder how many of them are idiots. We've talked a lot about how good-looking people who stand up straight get a pass for being, you know, kind of sophisticated and smart until you start to talk about them or talk to them. Um, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has been our example recently. Everybody thought, oh, he's going to be sharp, he's going to be tough to beat, oh, he's going to be the next president, until he actually ends up in a situation where he's doing anything. I wonder how many of these royals are just... You know, it's a lot of walking real straight, quietly, a couple of words bowing. I wonder if they're just friggin' morons, a lot of them. Surrounded by immense wealth and yeah. baubles and carriages and castles. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and in the oh. ultimate bubble. I mean, the bubble of bubbles. Um, they, they, they might have so little idea of what's going on in the world. And they're carefully trained to not come off as morons. I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't either. I would like to see it collapse. I would get I would get some enjoyment out of that. I love I think your, when, when the queen your dies, metaphor I think of it. Yes. Yeah, it'll certainly decline. Yeah. Um, I love your metaphor of it's like having a fake dictator that you trot out now and again. (laughs) It's the same thing. Well, yeah, it is the same thing. We have a fake monarch. We have a fake dictator. You can go visit his bunker. Uh, Tourists, uh, there are guards outside. You can say anything or wave your hands. They won't avert their eyes because they're guarding Hitler's bunker there. When the Queen, who has ties to World War II and Winston Churchill and all these different sorts of things. And is said to be a hell of a lady. I'm sure. But whenever she's gone, and it's, I just think that whole thing's done. Which is good. Fine. That's fantastic. Yeah, we'll see. But like Piers Morgan, British journalist, uh, very angry that they kind of insinuated that the Queen or somebody high up in the royal family might be racist without naming names. Thought that was really out of bounds. Um. I think Prince Harry probably would have rather that his uh, hot, crazy wife didn't throw that out there for the media yeah. to chew on. But well, she Shut knows up, what'll Meg. sell. She knows what's hot. She knows the race thing is hot. So she trotted out that out there very, very vaguely, very vague. And then please. again, Oprah's response was, "What? <laughs> they got it's clickbait, Oprah? Clickbait? They got a homeless camp in Portland. They're trying to figure out how to get rid of. The reason they can't is really quite extraordinary. And this happens in cities all across America. That, among other things, on the way."
The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Port of Portland confirms that this is its land, but these cleanups are far from simple. For starters, there's multiple stakeholders accountable. Some of this land is owned by the Port of Portland and therefore not the city's responsibility. Then the Port of Portland says it cannot do anything about cars along the side of the road. That's on the city and more specifically the Portland Bureau of Transportation. And those in charge of the city's cleanups, the Office of Management and Finance, say they can't do anything about the parked cars either. Again, pointing to Peabot. Instead, city officials say they can only clean up obvious trash, like waste placed in garbage bags. Other discarded items could be considered personal property, and they won't pick it up. Beyond that, crews focus on needle removal and other hazards, and portable toilets have been brought into the area. A news report on Fox 12 in Portland about the homeless camp area in northeast Portland, that uh, there are so many different agencies that say we can't do this or we can't do that so it just continues to grow from people camping and the garbage and people living in cars and it just it's just absolutely amazing if you watch the video we do we have that at armstrongandgetty.com i assume we do or well yeah, we, we sure do it's it's visually it's a combination of a giant bum camp an auto graveyard and it looks like a fire swept through there it's just it's a hellscape yeah, and as you just heard there, uh, but by the way, uh, when you watch the video, well, you'll probably see, she, she starts the story by saying, uh, I think two weeks ago this was cleaned up. They they had cleaned it up. They had cleaned, cleared it out and cleaned it up. This all happened just recently. Yeah, I think this she nice. said last week. It was just incredible. Um, does somebody in the know, are you involved in any of this, can be a... Not whistleblower, but get an insight of account of how this all works. Because I've had like homeless camps, you know, that I pass on the way home, and and they'll be there for weeks or months, and then one day I'll be driving home, and there'll be cop cars and fire trucks and a dump truck there, and they clear it out, and I never read anything about in the paper or hear anything about it. Like, who makes the decision based on what? When is it bad enough? Or I don't. Why'd you wait so long? Do you have any sense of that? Why do you let it start if at some point you're going to clear it up? It seems like it'd be a lot cheaper to just say you can't do it from the beginning. You know, I think they're just balancing the hell they're going to get from the activists against the hell they're getting from city residents, no matter what city you're talking about. And just at some point, they figure, all right, we got to clean it up, do it quickly, do it quietly, do it under cloak of night, don't announce it, is just it a, clean it up. Is there a crime thing that, that, that tips the balance, or is it a visual thing that tips the balance? Just at some point, you think, all right, that's it. Is it like that? I think it all goes into the the stew, all those concerns. You know, we, the, the the San Francisco situation is is well known. I could hit you with the statistics, but people are fleeing San Francisco and the Bay Area by the many thousands. Rents are down like thirty percent in the city. Part of it's the uh, the uh, COVID texters going home thing naturally, but uh, just came across an article in the Seattle Times. Uh, Seattle is shrinking for the first time in forever. Whether it was the pandemic, the protests and riots, the urban decay, the high costs, pick your reason. People appear to have ditched the Emerald City last year in unusually large numbers, new data shows. And indeed, apartment rentals offering 12 weeks free plus six months of free parking. They're desperate for people to move in. 
Just the voting with the feet. Portland's seeing the same thing. The great progressive experiment in letting bums and junkies fill your city streets, your city sidewalks, your parks. That experiment is bearing the bitter fruit we predicted that it would. Well, since we just did that, let's let's talk about San Francisco, a similar sort of situation, and everybody leaving, and how many people are moving out for the same reasons. That's clip 32, Sean. Meantime, tens of thousands of people are packing up and leaving San Francisco. A new study by the nonpartisan California Policy Lab says while the numbers of people leaving the state of California are largely unchanged, there is a genuine exodus from San Francisco. The net number of people leaving the city in the last nine months of 2020 was almost 39,000. That is up a staggering 649% on the same period in 2019 and with so many San Francisco based tech companies sticking with remote working for the foreseeable future, the study says the trend of city residents heading for the exits is likely to continue. So what I take from that story and your Portland story and this is good news for all of America I guess, there is a limit to what you can do even for progressives these are cities where people like liberal policies but hey you can only have so many bums the taxes can only be so high you can only i can only step over needles and human poop and garbage so many times i can only have so many break-ins and so many riots before i'm leaving and as those people leave by the thousands and tens of thousands the the question is what's the next chapter what does that look like do the governments reform themselves seeing that human flight, or do they just keep down that same crazy, crazy road? I guess we'll find out. Armstrong and Getty.